Welcome to the Wisdom Catchers podcast, where our goal is for you to grow in wisdom as you apply the truth of God's word and glean from the experiences of others. We hope that these next few minutes will help you develop as a Christ follower so that you can help others apply God's truth to their lives. Let's jump in to the word of wisdom today. As we talk about the quest for God's best, I want you to think about the area where you are seeking the direction of the Lord. Maybe it is vocationally. Maybe it's relationally. Maybe it's something in your life where you've been struggling with something that has tried to eat you alive and you are desiring the very best for your soul. There are a lot of areas where we need the direction of God, amen? We, we can't do it on our own. A few years ago, there was a woman that uh, was going to pick up her friend at a train station in Brussels, and she punched in the GPS, the, the train station, and uh, it was only 90 miles away, but she drove 900 miles out of the way because the GPS <laughs> told her to keep going. All right, and uh, she was like pulling over, getting catnaps, you know, and figured after she saw signs in like five different languages, she realized, I think I'm lost, but I'm still following the GPS. And I think there's one of the things that we need to realize. Sometimes we keep following directions that are, are misguided directions. And a lot of times they're our own direction. As opposed to saying, I want what God's best is. And there's a period at the end of that sentence. And he answers back and he says, oh, I know what is best. Amen. No, no. God answers back and he says, I know what is best. Amen. Because if we don't believe that out of the gate, we're going to continue to do life thinking that we know what is best. As we pray like Jesus over these 21 days, as we fast and we listen to the Lord, my prayer for you is that you would know what is best. One of my, um, one of my flaws, of, of my many flaws, is that I always think that there is a better way to do things. And that's not in itself a flaw. However, when I think that everybody else needs to see my better way of doing it and do it my way, that's when it turns into a flaw. Anybody, anybody else uh, kind of get that way? It's uh, like, yes, we can do it better. I know how to do it better. And now you need to know how to do it better too, my way. All right? That is not what we're talking about today, church. There is a best that supersedes your best. Let's look at the scripture, Philippians chapter 1. This is, uh, it was a number of weeks ago, I was reading this, even before it was on the reading plan this week, and this jumped out to me, verses 9 through 11. And I want to read this. Paul writes to the Philippians, and he says, This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Let me pause there for a second. 
not just in knowledge. Sometimes we get a head full of knowledge, but we have no insight or wisdom, which is the application of knowledge, into the things that our head knows. Have you ever, have you ever known something, and as you're doing something, you're like, this is really stupid, right? Like, this is not smart. This is not going to end well. And yet, we keep going down the same road. That's what's called having knowledge, but no depth of insight. You don't get it. You, you know it, but you don't get it, so you really don't know it. So Paul says, uh, he prays that we would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And then you circle this in the beginning of verse 10. So that, if you want a great study on, uh, through Scripture, go through Scripture and every place that it says, so that, I want you to circle it. I do it in my Bible all the time. You'll, I'll be going through and I'll be like, so that. So what's the that there for? Because it depends upon what's coming before, but this is what comes after. So that you may be able to discern what is best. And may be pure and blameless. So you're going to know what is best and you're going to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, there's a couple of words in here that I want to look at and I want to unpack a little bit. But the, uh, some people asked me this morning, why is there a boat in the church service today. Well, it's an illustration in case you, it wasn't like we just showed up this morning and we're like, well, there's a boat in here. Let's just go on with services as usual. But there's a, there's a boat here because we're going to look at some of the things that are going to help us as we sail through life, okay? Now, this is not a sailboat. What kind of boat is it? Anybody look at it? It's a rowboat, all right? You're not going to do much sailing as you go through here. There's a word in this passage that I want to illustrate with a little tag that is on the side of this rowboat. And it says that you may be able to discern what is best. Now, that word discern means that what you are trying to figure out is going to pass the test of heaven. It's going to pass the test of heaven. Now, God is not a... Uh, it, did you ever have those teachers in school where you felt like they were trying to test you in order to fail you? Like, you're not... I'm going to make a test so hard, there ain't going to be... We had one of those tests, or one of those teachers, when I was... He would grade on the bell curve. And so he would make the test so ridiculously ridiculous that nobody, even the straight-A students in the class couldn't even get a passing grade if you went straight across. And then he would do the bell curve and he would say, well, you all are the, at the top of the F. You'll get an A in this class because I don't want to mess up your 4.0. That's just absolutely stupid, okay? That is not what we're talking about. However, this boat was tested and approved for weight. It says right here, five persons, or 701 pounds. Little yellow sticker right there. Maximum capacity. 
Now, would you want to get in this boat if it had not been tested and approved? No, I wouldn't. Because the first time you get in it, it's going to sink. Now, there's one thing you don't know about this boat and why that capacity is very important is because this is a foldable boat. This boat folds up. And there's little wheels that attach to it. I didn't know that. I was driving down the road, and all of a sudden I look in the rearview mirror, and the little wheels were not attached, and they were going down the road without me. And so I had to stop and go back and get it. But the, the back where the, where the uh, transom is would come off, and then this part folds up, and it collapses, and you can tow it behind a bicycle, and then you can get to wherever you're going to be, where, where you want to go float, and you put it together, and then you put your bicycle inside the boat. And you can go. I mean, you can do all kinds of things with it. And this boat had to be tested in order for them to know that 701 pounds is going to float. Now, what happens if you put 1,700 pounds in this boat? What, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to sink because its tested capacity is 701 pounds. Now, think about this in your own life where the scripture says that we are to discern or we are to test what is best. Did you test this boat? Did I test this boat? No. Somebody who knows boat testing tested this boat and said that's the capacity. Now, when we're testing what is best, who do you think knows better, us or Jesus? Do we really believe that? Do our actions show that we really believe that? Because here's the way it works sometimes. Now, I said this is a rowboat, and we're going to later talk about sailboats, but this is the way we get into the boat called life. We jump into this thing, and we say, all right, we're going to go somewhere. I don't know what's best or what's the best route or how's the best way to get there or what propulsion I should use, but I see that the thing has oars. So what do we do? What's our first thing? We grab the oar, we stick it in the water because that's what you're supposed to do, right? And then we feverishly start rowing for about 10 feet and then we're like, whew, I'm tired. But we haven't gotten anywhere because we don't even know what is the best way. I mean, there's a little board on the back here. Supposedly, I think you can stick a motor on the foldable boat. I don't know how that would work. But anyway, you, so, so what do we do? We try harder to figure out what is best, and we exhaust ourselves. And we're like, <laughs> we even go to the gym, and we practice on the rowing machine, okay? You know, like, most people that use uh, a rowing machine are never, ever going to get into a boat and actually row the boat. But they're going to sure look good when they're out there on the rowing machine. They're going to be like, ooh, this is, this is great. And we do this in life. We go and we feverishly row and the oars are slapping the water and we're going nowhere and we're saying, God, why am I not getting the best out of life? And he says, well, like Paul prays here, I want to help you discern and test what is best for your life. There's a lot of things that we can look at right away and say, well, that's definitely not best. I mean, if you had your hand over the, over the side and you're like doing this, you know, we were out, I was, I was somewhere in the kayak and, and something happened, the, the, the things like came apart or something and I lost them. And I'm like, okay, so what do you do? You just, you just paddle back to shore using those kind of things. And it's like ineffective. It's not what is best. 
Have you ever heard this saying? First service, people didn't know this saying. Good, better, best, never let it rest till your good is better and your better best. Have you not heard that? Is it, is it a Pennsylvania thing? It might be a Pennsylvania thing. I don't know. But my, my grandparents my, used to tell me that. Good, better, best, never let it rest till your good is better and your better best. And so we try harder to make our good better and our better best. And we're getting nowhere because we're doing it ineffectively. When Paul says here, he uses a word for, uh, for best, he's using a word that's talking about superior. I think we settle too many times as we're listening to the Lord for the good or the better. But I'm here, here to tell you this morning that God's best is yet to come. I'm installing a, a lift in my garage and I, I put the one side on, you know, it picks up a car and um, I installed the one side and I thought, oh, that's good. The concrete's thick enough. And I got to the other side. I drilled my holes and no matter how I measured them, I couldn't get them beyond three inches and I needed at least four inches. And I, I looked and I shined the flashlight and I stuck things down in there and I tried, I really tried to stretch that screwdriver when I was like, it's gotta be four inches. I was five bolts away from having it installed and done and running a car up on it. And the concrete was too thin. And I had a decision to make. Am I gonna settle for good? Probably not better, certainly not best, but I really am impatient. Do you ever get impatient and you take God's good or maybe less rather than his best? And so I had to cut the floor up and I had to drill holes and I had to dig down and I had to pour concrete and I had to put reinforcement in. I had to do all of these things because I don't want to have a car up on the lift and be like, yeah, I, uh, I had a good time putting that in. And the thing goes you know, right down on me. That's not a good day. It's better to do it so that you get the best rather than settling for good. Are you getting the point here? Okay, because we're going to, if, if we get this, then we can go on to say, this is how we get to God's best. And then it says, by the way, that we will be pure and blameless when we get God's best. I don't know what your threshold for E. coli, salmonella, and other bacteria are, but I personally don't enjoy being sick. And when we are pure and blameless, we are in a place for God's best that does not, we are not allowing the contaminations of the world to come in and short circuit his best. Romans chapter 12 says the good pleasing and perfect will of God. That's where I want to live. Now, here's something that Paul uses this phrase, knowledge and depth of insight. Now, this boat particularly sits high in the water when it's in the water. There's a very small amount that's below the water. But the keel, the, the, the part in the center, sits below the water just a little bit. And when we have a sailboat, have you ever seen those sailboats? They're maybe driving down the interstate and somebody's moving the sailboat and they, they have this, the boat's way up in the air and they have this long keel that goes down deep into the water. 
and they've taken the mast off. It's somehow in, maybe in another truck or something. But, but the keel that's in the water is the keel that I want to talk about in the depth of insight, knowledge and depth of insight. Let me ask you this question. What is below your waterline? Is it, is it really shallow? Is there hardly anything like in a rowboat? And maybe you're on the top of the rowboat, you know, doing this thing and trying to go and trying to make it in life and you're trying to get God's best and all you're making is a bunch of splashing and you're just, you're just tired and exhausted all the time and you're like wondering why life isn't working out the way you would like it to be. Have you ever actually seen a sailboat? Have you been on a sailboat? Have you sailed? I was talking to Melanie and she said that, that she used to sail. I didn't know that. But when the keel is in the water, I worked for a, a doctor and he had a sailboat. And so we would go out on the sailboat and I always thought that you just put the sail up and wherever the wind caught in the sail, it would just take you to wherever it wanted to go. I didn't know that there was a science behind it. I didn't know that the wind filled the sail and then you could actually sail into the wind using the curvature of the sail to provide an aerodynamic lift that would pull you in the wind's direction. You would actually be able to sail up the lake into the wind by going back and forth and changing your sail. What a great idea! It's a lot better than trying to row into the wind, isn't it? Isn't it? And so when there's a skilled person at the, the uh, manning the sail, you can do things by the wind that your physical body couldn't do by grabbing the oars and just rowing harder. I think some of us are completely exhausted today trying to find the direction of the Lord because we have not figured out how to leverage and access the wind of God's spirit in our life and we're still just trying to do it in our own strength. We aren't going to get God's best, but there is so much hope because as we allow the wind of God's spirit to empower us, we can then be drawn along into the direction that is best for you and me, the, the people that he wants in his boat. So what, here's something just a quick question, you know, what's below your waterline? If, if people were to look below your waterline, would they find bitterness? Would they find unbelief? Would they find uh, sexual sin? Would they find drunkenness? Would they find hatred? Would they find greed? greed? Would they find covetousness? What would be below your waterline? Or would they find the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control as the keel of your spirit so that when the wind blows, even the most harshest gale, your boat does not tip over into the water. You know, if a, if a sailboat catches a gust the wrong way and you don't have your sail trimmed correctly, the sail, the sail can actually dip into the water and when it gets wet, and it comes back up. Hopefully you have a good ballast that, that, that causes it to come back up and you don't capsize. But you, the sail has to dry out because a wet sail isn't going to catch the wind and pull you in the direction that you need to go. Sometimes the things that are below our waterline are keeping us from God's best. 
You'll never get what is best if you are being powered by your own strength. That rowboat is exhausting. It's a terrible place to live, but I, I'm gonna tell you this morning that there is a way to sail with the strength and the power of the Spirit. You see, the, the keel and the mask, the mast work in tandem. That which is below the surface, and, and some of you are signing up for emotionally healthy spirituality, um, I would encourage you to do that. Pete Scazzaro talks about the iceberg, and he says, what is below the water is the majority of what is uh, affecting what's above the water. And so in this, in this keel that's below the water, you're going to have uh, the reason that it's there is to keep you from going sideways as you sail. It's to keep you from capsizing. It's preventing you from, from drifting. Matter of fact, a good keel in its design also has lift capabilities so that as it's being drawn through the water, it, uh, the, the water going around that also creates lift to create the, uh, to move you in the, in the right direction. It is what keeps the sailboat righted and going in the right direction. So what are our keels today as we discern what is best? Well, first thing, it almost goes without mention. However, I'm going to mention it anyway because it's the very basis for our stability, and that is to calibrate our compass daily. Calibrate your compass daily. Now, how do we do that? The compass must always be ready and calibrated. Not when you need it, but before you need it. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. I would encourage you to recalculate your compass on the little things so that you can hear God on the big things. What are the little nudges where he says, hey, hey, listen, Listen, you need to recalibrate. You need to not, not watch that. Don't, don't go there. Don't do that. I want you to take your dog on a walk. Come on, let's go. This is what you need to do because I've got a divine appointment. You need to go over here. You know, this, this thing here, this whole situation was not about this boat. I felt like I was supposed to go and borrow this boat for an illustration. And I'm like, God, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of time to go get the boat. That's a lot of stuff, you know. I found out when I went to get the boat, the divine appointments that were in the lobby when they're signing, I'm signing all this paperwork. And I'm like, I, why am I stuck? And it just led to this amazing set of conversations that are still more to come because it wasn't about the boat. See, I was calibrated in the little things as I was listening to the Lord all week in my time with him, and I'll, I'll just tell you, I was not hearing anything. 
You ever have those times like you're, you're faithfully doing what God asked you to do? You're reading your word, you're praying, you're doing everything. I'm fasting, I'm doing that. And I'm like, Lord, my pen is here. My journal is here. I'm ready. Nothing. Crickets. Okay? And then I leave the boat store and it was like, ah, I was ready. I was talking to Steve Wickstrom at Tuesday morning prayer. By the way, anybody that wants to come to 444 prayer in the morning on Tuesday, you're more than welcome to. But uh, we always have a good time. But he was telling a story about when he was in the Coast Guard, they were um, out in the Pacific Ocean and they came across a sailboat in the Pacific Ocean and the sailboat was lost. And the sailboat had left San Francisco with a compass that they thought was true. This was before Loran and GPS and all. And they thought the compass was true, but it was off just a fraction of a degree. And they were sailing from San Francisco to Hawaii, and they sailed right on past Hawaii, thinking that they weren't there yet. Totally missed it. They were out of food. They were out of water. They had nothing. If the Coast Guard had not seen them, and by the way, sailboats don't respond to the radar. They're fiberglass. He, they, it wasn't, they weren't able to pick it up on radio. Radar, radar, they had to see it. And they were out there because their compass was a fraction off. Just a little bit. Guess what? We miss it sometimes, and we don't get God's best because our compass is a fraction off. Every day, when I recalibrate my compass in the presence of the Lord, reading the word, listening to him, spending time soaking in his presence, whether I feel like it's making a difference or not, guess what? When I need that true compass, it's calibrated. And I encourage you to do that. You know, it's so basic. But sometimes we don't do the very basic things that are going to keep us where we need to be. Second thing is, I, I think we need to have an attitude of absolute commitment and total surrender to God before we know where we're going. You might want to write this down. The destination does not determine your obedience. In other words, when God tells us that he wants us to go and do something, if we like the idea, oh God, I'm all in. God ever tell you to do something that you weren't really wild about? Okay, we call that stretch, right? I, I say, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do whatever. You know, send me to the ends of the earth. That's awesome. Just don't make me a pastor. They only work one day a week, and that's a wimpy job. And so, like, yes, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as you remember what I told you. And yes, and the Lord says, I heard the end, yes, I didn't hear. You got garbled on the rest of that thing, I don't know. But this is what I want you to do. And I'm like, really, God? But I did say yes. So here I am, Lord, send me. John chapter, we just read this recently too. In John chapter 12, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. Verse 27 and 28, Jesus says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And I love this part. Father, glorify your name. You know what we're doing 
is the best isn't so that we can say, well, uh, <clears throat> I got the best from God and uh, y'all over there, you just settled for good. We got this. Well, you in between, you were better, but I'm the best. Another flaw that I have is I have realized how much of my life I have spent wanting to be the best. Now, in and of itself, uh, excellence is great and what, but the comparison part, is it for the glory of God or is it for me? Ouch. Your destination does not determine your obedience. Even if you don't like the destination, the answer is yes, I am in, just like Jesus, to the cross, because sometimes the best means your death. Let me say that again. Sometimes your best means your death. I don't necessarily mean physical death. I'm not, I'm not advocating, you know, going out and taking your life or anything. I, I'm certainly not. Uh, what I'm saying is our flesh must die in order for God's best to be realized. And we say yes to that death even before we know which part of us has to die. Grab a hold of that. That is the depth of your keel that will support the progress of the sail being filled in your life for the very best speed, the very best trajectory, for the very best progress. Discern what is best and say yes before you know what the destination is. Third thing, and this flows right into the sail because the Holy Spirit, the the Ruach HaKodesh, the breath of God, the, the powers our life to progress. Think about this. You may be in this rowboat, the rowboat of life, and you're just cranking it away, okay? You could be sitting in the world's best sailboat and you could be like flexing it. You know how, uh, how they have little lifeboats on the back of, of bigger boats, you know, the, the dinghy or whatever, and Sometimes they'll have, they'll have oars in it. Sometimes they'll have a little motor. And you could be sitting up on the deck of that sailboat and you could be like, you could be like, huh, 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 going absolutely nowhere by your own efforts. And then you look up at the sail and you see it billowing in the wind and you see the master uh, sailor up there controlling the sail and trimming the sail and cutting into the wind at just the right angle. And you say, I'm back here. I'm doing this. Go, I'm going somewhere, but it's not as a result of my own efforts. What if the Spirit of God filled my life, filled your life, and empowered you to be the person that he wants you to be and to find a direction that he wants for you to go? And today we have that opportunity to say, Holy Spirit, would you fill the wind? Put, send your wind to fill the sail of my life so that I might know what is best for me and for your glory. That's what Jesus said. It's what Paul said. The fourth thing is prayer allows us to catch the wind of the spirit to progress in life. 
as we are praying, the wind of the spirit, you know, have you ever been in a, in a place where you see somebody else that just seems like, man, their life is just, they're just clipping right along. They're just moving right along. And you're like, I want to be like that. And then you realize that they pray four hours a day before they, before they even get the rest of the, uh, of the household up. They've already prayed four hours. Well, I don't, I don't want to pray four hours. I'd rather do other things. I'd rather, I'd rather watch TV. I'd rather just kind of chill out. I mean, come on, you know, how much, how much, what are you going to pray for for four hours, all right? And then you see them with the power of the Holy Spirit. They're laying hands on the sick and they're seeing people recover. And they're, they're seeing uh, people who are in bondage instantly change. Their life is, and we, and we say, I want that, but I don't want to pray. I don't want to calibrate my uh, compass. I want to do life my way. And, and the, the, the sail hangs limp because there's not been the trimming of the sail to catch the wind at the right angle because of prayer. I think that one of the greatest things that I learn as I pray is how much I am not in control and how much I am able to hear the voice of the Lord on my behalf rather than me telling God what to do. The Lord begins to whisper and he begins to share with me what's on his heart rather than me telling God what I, what I need him to do. See, our progress is towards eternity. Our purpose is to glorify God. Our mission is to make disciples who make disciples. Our empowerment is the spirit wind from heaven. You will get the best when the spirit is empowering your life. And our goal is to finish well. Be the spotless bride ready for her bridegroom on the day that we stand before him. I want to read this one more time. And then I have a couple of questions to ask you in a prayer. Paul says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Anybody else want to live there in the fulfillment of that scripture? Let me see your hands. I, if, if that is where you want to live, then I have just a couple of questions that will help synthesize this for us to know what is best. Number one, is what's below your waterline? What is it that can't be seen by others that keeps you from your best? Some of those things that I mentioned that if there's, if there's bitterness or hatred in your life, it will keep you from the best and it will be something that impedes your progress. Today, Jesus is here to heal those areas. 
If it's a, a sin that so easily besets, as the writer of Hebrews says, it's nipping at your heels. It's like a ball and chain around you. Today, he is the freedom giver, as we sang earlier today. If there's something that is inside of you, that is, it's something you hate, it's ugly, it's like, ah! And maybe even nobody knows. Today, Jesus the healer wants to come in and wrap his loving arms around you and say, I've got you, I've got you, you're mine. The second question I want to ask you is who's powering your boat? Who's powering your boat? If you're frustrated and you just feel like best always passes you by and you're out there striving as hard as you can, straining at the oars like the disciples in the boat when the storm came and Jesus is asleep, they're straining at the oars and they're going nowhere. And everybody else just seems to be like sailing right on by you. And you're frustrated. I want to ask you the question, who's powering your boat? It's not about trying harder. It's not about rowing faster. It's not about going to the gym more to strengthen those muscles. What it is, is about letting the wind of the Holy Spirit blow into the sail of your life as you trim it with prayer so that you can navigate with this well-calibrated compass that has been calibrated in the presence of the Lord. It's not your job to move the boat forward. It's your job to be prepared when the wind comes. That's all we can do. And for you overachievers, I can tell you this is going to frustrate the stew out of you because when you're sitting there waiting for the limp sail to be filled, you feel like you got to start doing something. And so you grab the, row, you grab the oars and you're rowing when, you, when the little bit of wind comes on your face, I was listening to, to one sailor and he said, I can't feel the wind, but on my face. And when I feel the wind on my face, I know which direction to turn so that I can get the sail in line with the direction of where the wind is coming. And sometimes we miss it because we're sweating so much and we're straining at the oars and we're just like, ah, ah, ah. and the wind came, even the most gentle breeze, and we missed it. Church, this is what I see. I see that we are a people who can have the best of the Lord. It's there. You will always get his best when the wind of the Spirit is filling the sail of your life and the things below your waterline are the foundation of a life lived out by the grace of God. We're not hiding anything, but we're leveraging what's below the surface for the progress that's on top of the waves. I wrote this little prayer, and you're more than welcome to join me in this. I want to read it, and then I want to invite you to join me in this. Lord, fill me with the fresh wind of your spirit. I want your best for my life. Strengthen the unseen areas of my life so I may stay on course and find your destination. Help me be completely committed and totally surrendered to your way, even before I know what that way is. In Jesus' name, amen.
Maybe there's an area in your life today where you need the direction of the Lord. I want to invite you to stand with me. Where you, you want to hear, you want to know, what is God's best? Not just good, not just better, but his best. Maybe you'd like to join me today with this prayer or one that's similar. Feel free to pray this with me again. Lord, fill me with the fresh wind of your spirit. I want your best for my life. Strengthen the unseen areas of my life so I may stay on course and find your destination. Help me be completely committed and totally surrendered to your way, even before I know what it is. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's a specific area, I don't need to know what it is, but if there's a specific area that you are asking the Lord for the wind of his spirit, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray over you because today, Lord, you see the hearts that are behind the hands. You see the, the sails that even now are going up in faith. They've been lifted on the mast. And Lord, you're saying, I am sending my fresh wind. I am sending a gentle breeze that is going to come and fill the sail of your life that the hard work that you have done in calibrating your compass and sending the prayers of faith heavenward have been seen and they have been heard and you're out of faithfulness, you will experience a movement towards the best that you can trust the one who sends the wind. Father, we do trust you today and we thank you that as the wind blows and our sails are filled, that we will not only be able to make progress, but we will enjoy the speed at which we move that does not require the straining of the oars. Today, Lord, may we be sailboats, not rowboats. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Your best is yet to come. Would you trim your sail and set your course by the power of the Holy Spirit, being filled with his breath and having your compass well attuned by your time with him. Let's go and be our best. And remember, it might not be about the boat. It might not be about the dog. It might be about what God's going to do through you when you leave these doors. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's Wisdom Catcher episode. Wisdom Catchers is a ministry of Coastlands Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. If you would like to contact us or support the ministry financially, please visit our website at coastlands-church.org for more information. Until next time. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.